everyone. It's lovely to be with you, and uh, I've been a long time coming. Uh, you've been having this series many moons ago on the heroes of faith, and things got kind of mixed up, and we couldn't get the dates right, and then uh, something else happened. Anyway, I'm here. It's nice to be with you, even though this has been a long time, long time coming. The uh, pastor was standing at the, the door waiting and people were lining up to say thank you uh, for the sermon and all the usual things that one says. And there was a young lad with a, a handful of money and uh, eventually it's his turn and, and he gives the pastor the money and the pastor says, well, what's this for Michael? Well, he says, it's money. I want you to have it. And the pastor says, no, but... I don't need your money. You don't need to give it to me. Oh, said Michael. Dad said, you're the poorest preacher that we've ever had in this church. <laughs> it'll, it'll wake up. It'll, you'll cotton on to what, it, what it's about. Lord, we thank you for our time together this evening as we've worshipped and broken bread together. Now, Lord, we turn to your word, your wonderful word. We pray that you will bless us and build us up in our most holy faith. In Christ's name, Amen. Now, I'm not sure how many people are mentioned in the Bible. You've had this series. I'm sure it's well over a hundred. I've never sat down to count them. Some of them, of course, are very well known. You get Abraham and Moses and King David, even the Lord himself. Others are just a name in a list. Paul is sending his greetings to them, uh, and that's it. And every hero of faith that I sent to Phil, he sent back and said, somebody else has chosen that. So I thought we'd, we're going to run out. So I've got one. And he's actually in Colossians and in chapter 4 and verse 17. Thank you. Well, it hasn't. It should be on the screen first. Oh, there it is. No, it's not working. Okay, put the next one up. So, Colossians 4.17 is this. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. So he's the guy tonight. It's not a popular name. You've probably never heard of him. You might say, who is he? What's Paul writing to him personally for? Well, one thing I think it's good to do in the Bible is to play detective, and that's what we need to do. Archippus is mentioned in just one other verse. We'll have that up now. There it is. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Appia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your home. The your there in the Greek is in the singular. So it's generally thought that Philemon and Appia were man and wife and Archippus was actually their son. Now, he's called a fellow soldier in that verse in Philemon. Paul actually doesn't speak of Christians generally as fellow soldiers. Instead, he reserves the term for just one or two workers that he names. For instance, this 
Aphroditus in Philippians 2.25, but I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier, who also is your messenger to whom you sent to take care of my needs. In 2 Timothy 2.3, Paul says to Timothy, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. But here in Colossians, he's singled out because the verse begins, see to it. Now, what's that for? Why is Paul singling out this guy? It sounds to me, maybe to you, that, that Archippus is not in Colossae. So Paul is asking the church to make sure he receives this special message. Where was he? What was he up to? Now, we don't want to make too much of titles. We know that he laboured with Paul somewhere, hence the idea that he's a fellow soldier, a fellow worker. We assume he had a work in the Lord And Paul is sending him this special message to actually complete it. Uh, Isabel and I went to to Turkey just once. We've only been once. And we stayed at Marmaris. And we decided to take the three-day trip up to Ephesus and Hierapolis and Pamukkale. It's really most interesting. But on the coach coming back, uh, from Pamukkale on our way back to Marmaris, I nudged Isabel and said, look, and there at the side of the road was a signpost in English saying Laodicea. Laodicea is just 10 miles from Colossae. Colossae at this time was the important city on the main trade route from east to west. But eventually the trade route moved and came down through Hierapolis into Laodicea and then it went off west. We do know, of course, there was a church in Laodicea and we do know that there was a church in Colossae because we have this scriptural evidence. Generally, it's thought that Archippus was away on the Lord's work and he was in Laodicea. Now, the only other mention we have of Laodicea is the passage of Scripture that was read to us tonight, the very famous passage in Revelation three fourteen to 22. We know John received his visions on the Isle of Patmos. He was imprisoned by Domitian. Domitian, by the way, the Roman emperor, the second son of Vespasian, who was a very good emperor. His eldest son, Titus, is the guy that sacked Jerusalem in AD 70 and raised it to the ground. But Domitian didn't like Christians and he imprisoned John on the island. Now, church problems don't spring up overnight. They take time to fester. Could it be that they'd got wind that there were problems in Laodicea and Archippus had been sent by the church to help them in the Lord's work? After a very long and dry sermon, the minister announced that he wished to meet the church board following the close of the service. The first man to arrive in the vestry was a complete stranger 
And the minister said, you must have misunderstood my announcement. This is a meeting for the board. Yes, said the man, I know. If you can find anybody more bored than me, I'd like to know it. <laughs> okay, let's start then. Firstly, we have a message to be steadfast, and it's the word complete. It seemed Archippus needed special encouragement, so much so that the whole church at Colossae was behind him. Do you think maybe he was getting a bit slack? Maybe he'd been putting out feelers he was moving to pastures new. The word here in the NIV is complete. In the AV, it's fulfilled. It's the little Greek word, blepo, which simply means to look at, to have the power of seeing, to use your eyes. Hence, they observe, they observe accurately. So what Paul, I think, is saying to him is sit down and have a good look at your ministry. I trained a long time ago now as a probation officer, and my first placement was in North Allerton. Uh, my tutor was a uh, Methodist local preacher, uh, and probation officer, of course, called him Arnold Robinson. And in the next office was another probation officer called Jeff Hope. And these two like to make my life a bit of a misery by putting the fear of the home office inspectors into me. And uh, fortunately, we never had a home office inspection while I was there. But Jeff Hope was telling me all about this home office inspection that he'd had. And the inspector had arrived at nine o'clock in the morning, said to Mr Hope, give me six of your cases. Well, of course, human nature. He took the best six cases he'd got and gave them to the inspector. Then to his dismay, the inspector went to the filing cabinet and took out six more. Then the inspector said, give me your diary. And Jeff handed over his diary. The inspector said, OK, on your way, come back at 4.30. Well, he spent a miserable day wondering what on earth was going to happen with this inspection. Nowadays, of course, it's the CQC. You, you, you hear about them on, on the news. He arrived back and the inspector said, I want to talk about your diary. And Jeff thought, what have I done? Have I fiddled my expenses? And the inspector said, where's your thinking time? He was so busy in his work as a probation officer, he'd never shown any time where he could sit down and think about his work. Archippus, just sit down, lad, and think through what you are doing. You know, that's a kindly message for many of us who are sometimes needing that. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 uh, and verse 4, discharge all the duties of your ministry. The Greek there again for discharge is fulfill. Now, I'm speaking personally. As I see it, one of the greatest problems in the church from the second or third century onwards has been the dividing of the church into two groups, the clergy and the laity, the professionals and the non-professionals. I defy you to find it in the scripture. It was never God's design 
because his design was that every single believer in our Lord Jesus Christ would have a ministry. And our ministry is very simple as Christians. It's to make Jesus known. And this, of course, can be done in many, many different ways. Also in this word, complete, is an often neglected doctrine that we call the perseverance of the saints, where we keep on. You know, Jude, in his little book, has a lovely thought in Jude 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. But in Jude 24, he is able to keep you from falling. So our responsibility is to keep ourselves in the love of God. And God's responsibility, he says, I'll keep you from from falling. So going on in Christ, growing up into him, going on with your ministry, may not be the exact root of this verse, but it's very easy to stagnate as Christians. It's easy to give up our ministry because nothing appears to be happening and Jesus made it very clear in all his teaching you've got to endure to the end the great C.S. Lewis in his book letters of C.S. Lewis says no amount of falls will really undo us if we keep on picking ourselves up each time We shall, of course, be very muddy and tattered children by the time we reach home. But the bathrooms are all ready, the towels are put out and clean, clean clothes are in the airing cupboard. The only fatal thing is to lose one's temper and give up. It's when we notice the dirt that God is most present with us. It's a very sign of his presence. Revelation 3.15 I know your deeds, the Lord said to the church at Laodicea. They're neither cold nor hot. I wish they were one or the other. So is God saying to us tonight, look, complete what you've started. Secondly then, there's a ministry to fulfil, and it's the work. Or it could be translated, ministry. The word in the NIV is ministry, and it's the word diakonos, which is there. But there's another word in the NIV, uh, sorry, in the New Testament, which is very, very similar, and that's the word diakonia, translated servant or minister or deacon it actually came to be an office in the new testament church and diaconia according to vine's dictionary is the office and the work of a deacon now whether archippus was a deacon or not we're not told but he had a ministry to complete as every believer has look you might not call yourself a minister but you've all got a ministry you see the difference And thank God, only you can do it in God's prescribed way. I read a story of an elderly widow who was rather restricted in her physical activities and she couldn't get out much. She sought the Lord because she wanted to serve him. After praying about it, she she realised that uh, she could bring blessing to other people by playing the piano. So the next day, 
she rang the local newspaper and she put an ad in the paper. Pianist will play hymns by phone daily for those who are sick and dependent. This service is free. When the people rang, she said, what hymn do you want? Put the phone on the piano and played the hymn. Within a few months, she brought help and cheer to hundreds of people. Many of them poured out their hearts on her, uh, to her uh, and she was able to speak to them uh, about the Lord. You see, we need to give diligence to the work of the Lord because he wants us to fulfil it. You know what was wrong with the church at Laodicea? It was so poor, the Lord was going to spit them out of his mouth. I've lived in Singapore for over six years, and boy, you got used to the Chinese spitting. There's no spitters like the Chinese. But, you know, these words are key, rich, do not need a thing, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, Naked. Oh, Archippus, get stuck in and bring the church back to the essential gospel truths that people forget so easily. Paul reminded the people that he had an authentic gospel. Friends, we don't want a modern gospel. We might present it in modern ways, but we want the gospel of the New Testament. Thirdly, then, tonight, we have a motive to finish. You have received. I wonder if it was like Timothy who received his ministry through the laying on of hands. Oh, we've got Titus uh, chapter 1 and verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might strengthen out what was left unfinished and appointing elders in every town as I directed to you. Or Acts 14.23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. The word appointed means raising your hands and it's a kind of a reception thing. You know, all believers are in the reception ministry. John one twelve to all who received him. You know, give your life to Christ is no gospel. God loves you is no gospel. The gospel is receiving Christ into our hearts by faith. Eric Alexander, the past, one of the past ministers of St. George's Tron in Glasgow, says the only thing we can contribute to our salvation is the sin that made it necessary. Amazing, isn't it? We can't contribute a thing. And when we accept that, then life becomes one of receiving. Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And in Revelation 3.18, the Lord is counselling, I counsel you to the Laodiceans to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and put salve on your eyes so that you can see. How we need to, to open our hearts so the Holy Spirit can fill us day by day. Finally then, the fourth heading is a master to serve. 
and it's the Lord. I don't know whether you agree with me, but we we live in an age of a very, very weak gospel. Some preachers haven't got enough gospel to save a fly. And too many people seem to think all Jesus has to do is save them and they know nothing of his lordship. Well, here then is the secret of the fulfilled ministry. We serve the Lord. James Denny, a very respected commentator, says, you cannot at the same time give the impression that you are a great preacher and that Jesus Christ is a great saviour. Now this phrase in the Lord that occurs here in Colossians 4.17 is Paul's favourite phrase. He uses this some 86 times more than any other phrase in the New Testament. It comes in different forms. Firstly, it's in the Lord. Then next it's in Christ. And then next it's in Jesus Christ. Next it's in Christ Jesus. Next it's in him. They all actually mean exactly the same, that every believer is part of the corporate body that's in Christ. But you see, it's only when we're in him that we can be effective for any work of the Lord. We can't succeed on our own. The good news of the gospel makes sure we don't have to do that. All we have to do is to share it with people. It might be the giving of a tract. It might be giving of the, the good news newspaper. It might simply be talking to friends over a cup of coffee. But you know, God does not discharge his servants. Here is the true diconia, servant work. Get down on your knees and God will raise you up. There are two great radio works in the United States. You may have heard of them. There's Back to the Bible, founded in 1939 by Theodore Epp. There was Radio Bible Class, founded in 1939 by Richard DeHaan, who was actually a medical doctor. Theodore Epp, the founder of Back to the Bible, realised that there was something wrong with his radio ministry. not been going all that long, and in those days they had an amazing coverage. Both these men, who knew each other and became very great friends, virtually covered the United States. There was no television, of course, it was just radio only. And Theodore Epp writes that when he stopped receiving critical letters, he became very convicted that he was not challenging his flock enough. I'm afraid, he said, that when I'm pleasing everybody, I'm pleasing nobody, especially the Lord. And it's the Lord that counts. I don't think he was suggesting that he sit down at the microphone and start insulting all his congregation or being rude to them or anything like that. No, no. No, what he was not doing was he was not sharing the gospel properly. He was not upsetting anybody. Friends, Jesus says, I come to bring a sword. 
I don't come to bring peace. The gospel is offensive. The gospel does divide people and families. But we must be certain that it's he, the Lord, that we serve first and foremost. We're to be faithful to him. And in being faithful to him, we're then faithful to the corporate body, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord finishes in Revelation, those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, he said. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down on my father's throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I think the Gospels probably preach from that verse as much as any other verse in the New Testament. But it's not a Gospel verse, is it? It was written by the Lord Jesus to believers. And if you've ever been in St Paul's Cathedral and seen the original painting of Holman Hunt, The Light of the World, you'll know that there's no handle on the outside of the door. He deliberately left it off. Because he knew the verse. The handle is on the inside. Only you and I can open it. So what have we got? Well, we've got a message, first of all, to be steadfast. Secondly, we've got a ministry to fulfill. Then we've got a motive to finish it. And we've got a master to serve. May the Lord help us and bless us as we seek to move on with him.